Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning, and welcome to Bible Center. I am Pastor Mike. It's so good to be with you this morning. This summer, we have focused on God. Uh, We felt like this would be a refreshing, wonderful thing to do. The theme of this summer was, Behold, then sings my soul. The idea there is because of who God is, being beautiful, divine, the most majestic thing there is in the universe, that if we simply watch him, gaze on him, pursue him, get to know him, the response is that there's something that just moves inside of us. That whole idea of then sings my soul is the response of my heart, my mind, my soul, your heart, your mind, your soul, to this incredible, beautiful, majestic God who says he loves us. So this summer was looking at God the Father, God the Son, and then this morning, we're gonna finish up our study on God the Holy Spirit. Uh, As we jump into this, uh, there's really only one person who's ever lived who experienced the empowering and filling of the Spirit every moment of his entire life, and that was Jesus. So this morning, we're gonna look at the life of the Spirit in the life of the Son while he was here on planet Earth. We're gonna be in the book of Luke this morning. So with Jesus, we know that he was 100% God, and at the same time, Jesus was 100% man. He had to be 100% God so that he could live a sinless life. He had to be fully God because he bore the wrath of God for us on the cross. He both bore the wrath of God and he appeased or atoned the wrath of God. He settled the debt for us on the cross. To do that, Jesus had to be the son of God, God himself. But he also had to be a man because by being on the cross, he was in our place. He was a substitute for us. He stood in the gap where we couldn't. And when he bore the wrath of God, he was representing you and me. And by doing so, he can offer us salvation if we place our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. So he was fully God and fully man. Biblically and theologically, we know that Jesus did not lose his divine attributes when he became a man, but he chose to live a life as a human, as a boy, as a man, who would experience hunger and thirst and tiredness and relationships, the messiness of relationships. Jesus lived life that way. When you get to the end of your day and you're just ready to go to bed, Jesus had that feeling. When it's about the end of the service and you're ready for lunch, Jesus knows that feeling. Jesus was sent by the Father, and then Jesus was also empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit. In the life of Jesus, we see all three at work. So today we're gonna learn about the Spirit-filled life by watching the Holy Spirit working in and through Jesus throughout the ministry of Jesus, throughout the preparation of Jesus' coming, and then all that Jesus did and all that Jesus said. Uh, so if you would, open your Bibles up to Luke. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to kind of jump around up till chapter 10, just seeing the Holy Spirit and Jesus interacting together. Uh, if you know me some, you'll know on Fridays, uh, typically it's a day I try to take off. You know, we work on Sundays. This is, this is me working right now. Uh, so on Fridays, we try to take the day off. And in doing so, first thing I like to do is like to get up and exercise so I don't have any more energy just because I feel like if I have energy, I should use it to do something. And then after being exhausted, I sit on my couch and I'll watch a couple of TV shows just to get caught up. I'll watch a little stock. So I'll 
watch a little bit on SportsCenter, and then I will turn on some sort of fantasy movie that just takes me out of this world. On Amazon, coming up soon, I'm excited about this, you may or may not be, there's a new series called The Ring of Power. Uh, it's connected to the Lord of the Rings series. And as I was trying to think up an illustration of what it looks like for two different type of people working together to accomplish a goal, I couldn't get the Lord of the Rings out of my mind. They put those on Amazon Prime, so I've been watching back through those again. And if you like epic battle scenes and huge war scenes, it's a movie that you would enjoy. But in the background of these epic scenes, there's two little guys, two little hobbits named Sam and Frodo. Um, we named our dogs when we had two dogs, Sam and Frodo. Like, I like these guys. And in the background, they are taking this ring to this really dangerous place to destroy it. And both of them are given an individual mission. Frodo was told to hold on to this ring and to then take it to this place and destroy it, knowing that along the way, the ring would slowly destroy him. Sam, his buddy, was told to protect Frodo, to look out for Frodo, make sure Frodo accomplishes his mission. So the two of them begin working together. As you get to the, near, to the end of the story, Frodo is at a point where he's just laying on the ground and can't even move. He's so close to accomplishing his mission. And then Sam looks at Frodo and he says, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you and it as well. So up you get. And he pops Frodo up on his shoulders and he keeps carrying him closer and closer to the destination to accomplish the mission. Now, is this a perfect illustration of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? No. By love, seeing this complementary way of the two working together to accomplish a big mission. And you see that in the life of Jesus. From the very beginning, you see this in the life of Jesus. When a theologian named Sinclair Ferguson just looks back at the life of Jesus, he describes it this way. The Holy Spirit was Christ's inseparable companion. All the activity of Christ was unfolded in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So as we go through and look at these verses, just think of it that way. The Holy Spirit was a part of everything. He saw everything. They were interconnected as Jesus walked on this earth. As he lived a sinless life, as he worked with people, as he healed, the Holy Spirit was always, always there. And for us, if we wanna live like Jesus, we need to live our lives empowered and filled by the Spirit. If you and I are not empowered and filled by the Spirit, then we can't say we look like Jesus because Jesus lived every single day of his earthly life filled and empowered by the Spirit. So if that's not true of us, we just don't look much like our Savior. So that's the challenge to us today, to go deeper into that. So let's start by looking at how the Holy Spirit prepared the way for Jesus. So before Jesus was even born, the Holy Spirit was going out ahead of him and preparing each and every step in the people around him for Jesus' coming. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, uh, it says this, for he, John the Baptist, will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. This is Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is one who would kind of make a way for Jesus. He would be, begin proclaiming the coming of Jesus before Jesus came. He was slightly older, but before John the Baptist was even born, he was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is preparing the way for Jesus through John the Baptist. Next, you see the incarnation, which is where Jesus took on flesh and blood. It says, Luke 1.35, the angel answered Mary and said, the Holy Spirit will come on you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It's the Holy Spirit who made the incarnation possible. When you ask the question, how is a virgin birth possible? How could God become man? It's the answer is the Holy Spirit did that. It was the work and power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a fun story. In Luke chapter two, I hope you've heard this story. If not, enjoy it. Luke 2, 25 through 28, it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. So this is a Jewish man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel or the coming of the Messiah of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. So the Holy Spirit was on him. He didn't even know Jesus yet. Jesus hadn't really come and done anything yet, but he was waiting. The Holy Spirit had prompted him to be waiting and to be excited. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What a beautiful promise that God gave to Simeon. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon just took him in his arms and praised God. So he's preparing hearts. Like there are people who do not know who Jesus is. They've just heard the promises of the Old Testament of one to come. And he's moved by the Spirit to be looking for, to be longing for the moment where he gets to see the baby Messiah, this baby Jesus. And when he does, the Spirit prompts him to hold baby Jesus in his arms and to be moved and to praise God in that moment. The Holy Spirit is active. He is moving. And these are only the things that are mentioned in the text. I guarantee he's prepping Matthew. He's prepping Peter. He's prepping, like, the Spirit is working all around preparing Jesus for what he's going to do and preparing those around him. So I would also like to suggest this. In the same way, Jesus is still working, the Holy Spirit is still working today to make Jesus known. It wasn't just a moment in time. The Holy Spirit is always making Jesus known. So in the same way he was preparing hearts for Jesus' coming, he's preparing hearts right now for Jesus' growth of the kingdom so that more and more people would know him and follow him. So even now in your life, the Holy Spirit is preparing the hearts of the people around you, your neighbors, your family, your friends, your barista, your barber, your lawn guy, whoever it is, like the Lord is already working, the Spirit's at work, preparing them to meet and to know Jesus. So even for us, one way of living life filled and empowered by the Spirit is recognizing his work all around us. He's always preparing the way in the hearts of people to know and to receive Jesus. And he's called us, those who know Jesus, to present Jesus to them. So knowing that the Spirit is at work gives us a little bit more faith to open our mouths in those nervous moments. It gives us a little bit more faith to trust in him and not in us when we begin to talk about how much we love Jesus and know Jesus and how he's changed our lives. The Holy Spirit is still at work, presenting Jesus to a watching world, demonstrating the love of Jesus to those who are hurting in and through you. So let's look at the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. So in Luke chapter three, verse 16, we're told that Jesus will baptize with the Spirit. This is a new thing. When Jesus comes, this hasn't happened yet, but in Luke three, it says that he will baptize with the Spirit. In Luke 3, 22, 
there is the baptism of Jesus. So John the Baptist, who was filled by the Spirit, prepared by the Spirit to help prepare the way for Jesus, now baptizes Jesus. And in doing so, a couple things happen. One, the Father speaks from above. This is my Son right here in whom I am well pleased. He acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God. And at the same time, it says the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. It's a visible manifestation of the Spirit. So at this point, people are seeing the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus. So there's a public proclamation of who he is, and even this interconnection between the Son and the Spirit. Right after this happens, Luke 4.1, it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Just notice even just that language. Jesus, the Son of God, is full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he just got baptized. He might still be wet. And the Spirit's like, we're heading to the wilderness. And the Spirit leads him there, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. So sometimes Jesus uses hyperbole or like overstatement. This feels like understatement. Yes, he was probably hungry. I'm usually hungry by noon if I haven't eaten. This has been 40 days. He is very hungry. He is starving. He is weak. He can feel the results of not having nourishment. So notice where the Holy Spirit led Jesus, into the wilderness. He didn't lead him to the four seasons. He didn't take Jesus to the Ritz. He took Jesus to a very hard place. And while he was there, he didn't eat for 40 days and then went through several temptations. So he was led into a hard place to do hard things by the Holy Spirit. He was tempted by Satan himself. And though his human body was weak, exhausted, hungry, if not starving, he relied on the power and the direction and the person of the Holy Spirit throughout all those moments. It was in the power of the Holy Spirit that he got through not eating temptation, struggle, exhaustion. It was through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is gonna take you into hard places to do hard things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will empty you before he fills you up. The Holy Spirit knows the work that you and I need. Sometimes he'll look at you and say, or look at me and say, we're heading to the wilderness for a while. It's not what you want to hear. It's not what you want to do. Jesus was, Jesus was just coming off being baptized, like this public proclamation, like it was a big deal. It was a moment of excitement. And he's like, to the wilderness we go. Sometimes for you and I, being filled with the Spirit is to the wilderness we go. And notice that Jesus didn't argue with the Spirit. He didn't push back. He followed the lead of the Spirit even though he was headed towards incredible difficulty and discomfort, Jesus followed. We follow. In Luke 4.14, after the temptation, after the wilderness, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So he was baptized. He, in the power of the Spirit, he went to the wilderness. Now he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and notice, and everyone praised him. 
They liked what he was saying. They liked the feeling of being around Jesus. There was like an aura being created around Jesus. So the spirit had led him away from people. And now the spirit had led him back to people. The spirit took him through periods of tribulation, difficulty, and preparation. The spirit now empowers him for ministry and many are being moved by his words. They're enjoying his words. They're praising him for his words. It is in the power and direction of the Holy Spirit that Jesus does his ministry. It's the spirit that works in and through Jesus to teach his people. And notice again, and everyone praised him. From a human perspective, Jesus was being very successful in these moments. Let's go a little bit farther into chapter four. In chapter four, verses 17 through 21, Jesus opens up a scroll from the book of Isaiah and begins to read to a bunch of people from his hometown. So he was in Galilee, now he's in Nazareth. Nazareth is his hometown. He knows these people. When Jesus was little and running around, they knew him as that boy. Now they see him as this man who had just opened a scroll to Isaiah and Jesus reads it out loud. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. That's how he self-identifies himself. Even Isaiah spoke of this spirit-filled life of the son. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 21, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I would imagine the room went silent for a moment. What Jesus was saying is he's saying, I am he, the one you've been waiting for, the hope of Israel, the actual star of David, the lion of Judah, I am he. I am now here in front of you. You saw me as a boy, now you see me as a man, now you have to see me as the son of God filled with the spirit. I am he. And then still being directed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus says these things. All the people, in the, he said, he tells them that a prophet is never welcomed in their hometown. He begins to poke them a little bit. Like even though I'm the son of God, what I'm telling you is a prophet is never accepted in their hometown. You are not going to accept me. You are gonna reject your Messiah. Like in the power of the spirit, in the direction of the spirit, he pokes this crowd a little bit. It baffles me, but the spirit leads him to say those things. And there's a response. They are offended. And they respond in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious to hear this. They got up and they drove him out of town. I mean, this was a physical, aggressive moment. They are driving Jesus out of town and they took him to the brow of a hill, to a cliff on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Just a little bit earlier, they were praising him in Galilee for his teaching. He now goes to his hometown and they wanna kill him. Which one of those was he led by the spirit? Both. In which one of those was he empowered by the spirit? Both. I don't have a lot of explanation for that. But what we see is when the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us, sometimes it's gonna look successful. And sometimes it's going to make people angry. And the Holy Spirit knows when and he knows why. 
And through this, Christ does not avoid the hard things. Like when he knows he should say that, he doesn't say, ah, that's gonna rile people up, let's not say it. He says it, he doesn't avoid the hard stuff. And it's through the leading of the spirit that the crowd is pushed into a frenzy. It's through the leading of the spirit that they begin to hate Jesus and push him to the edge of the cliff. So in both of these, when they love him and when they seek to kill him, the spirit is in charge, the spirit is leading those moments. And again, I have no idea why. Just a couple thoughts. What I want us to recognize is that being filled with the Spirit, me being filled with the Spirit, you being filled with the Spirit, us being filled with the Spirit, doesn't mean everything in life is always gonna be okay. It doesn't mean things are going to go your way. It doesn't mean everyone's going to like you, what you say and what you do and how you choose to live your life. The Holy Spirit doesn't always guide you around the minds in the minefield. If you have a big minefield, the thought is the Holy Spirit should take me around each one. That's not what he appears to do. There are times when the Holy Spirit leads us to the mine to place our foot on some. He is fully God and he's the only one who sees how it all works out. There are just times every once in a while where we need to get blown up so that God can put us back together. And I don't say that lightly. I've been the type of person who's been blown up. Many of you have been blown up for different things. Not sinful things, just life blew you up because it's hard. And it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit wasn't there, wasn't involved. He doesn't promise an easy life. But he promises to put you back together. He promises to fill you. He promises to use you, to bring glory to Jesus and for your good so that you look more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is deeply involved in those things. And this may not sound like the good news of the gospel. Could you talk about the gospel being good news that you receive Jesus and you're filled with the spirit. You are saved now and forever. The Lord sees you now and he sees what you're like 10,000 years from now. And he knows exactly what you need in this moment. He knows what the church needs. He knows what the world needs in this moment to bring growth to you and glory to him. So sometimes people are gonna love you and what you're saying when you're speaking in the power of the spirit and the word of God. There are other times when you speak God's words and the power of God's spirit and they're gonna hate it. The question isn't, what do we speak? The question is, how will people respond? And we can't control that. That's up to the Holy Spirit. So we trust him and we move forward. And there's goodness in that, even if we don't have understanding in that. In Luke chapter five, verse 17, it says, it is by the power of the spirit that Jesus heals. It's by the power of the spirit that Jesus heals. As you read through commentaries and theology books, they all kind of say the same thing, that the spirit was at work in all that Jesus did. So when Jesus was healing, when Jesus was teaching, when Jesus was doing miracles, it was the Holy Spirit working in and through Jesus to accomplish those things. He's the son of God. He's the creator of the universe. But much like being laid in a manger, he chose to experience a human life. He chose to live his life being engaged with, empowered by, directed by the Holy Spirit. The same thing you and I are called to do. He is our example. So we have to wrap our head around this. If the son of God chooses to live his life dependent on the spirit, if the son of God needs the power of the spirit to live to the glory of God, which is how he chose to live, 
How much more do you and I need that? We so often have this DIY view of life. Like, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to wake up this morning. I'm just going to get it done. I'm going to check the boxes. I'm going to be successful. But the Son of God didn't live that way. He created the universe. He's God, and he chose to live dependently on the Holy Spirit. How much more so do you and I need that in our lives to recognize we can't do it? Jesus, let me follow your lead. If you are going to live life directed and empowered and filled by the Spirit, I need to lay down my life and do the same. We must follow his lead. I love these two quotes. They kind of also describe this relationship between the Father and the Son in this unique way. The first one says, from womb to tomb to throne. So from the cradle, from the manger to the tomb, which eventually was empty and open to the throne where Jesus now reigns. The spirit was the constant companion of the son, always there, always aware, always present. The spirit is ideally suited to be the chief witness for Christ because he was the intimate companion of Jesus throughout his ministry. Intimate companion. If you think back to where we've talked about the Holy Spirit, uh, there's a time when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, I'm sending the spirit. I'm sending the counselor, the comforter. The word there is parakletos. I'm sending one who will come alongside you like a companion. So he's promising the disciples and all who would believe, you and me, the spirit is coming and the spirit will come alongside of us and counsel us and take care of us and comfort us and be a companion with us. And then Jesus demonstrated that by living his entire life with this intimate companionship with the spirit. So he is our example and it's beautiful. Let's go a little farther. Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus has just sent out 72 of his followers to do some mission work. He basically sent them out to let towns know that he's coming to see which towns would accept him and which towns wouldn't accept him. And when the 72 returned, they started sharing stories about what God had done in and through them, how the spirit had worked in them to cast out demons and to heal and to prepare the way for Jesus. And I love how Jesus responds. Again, this is in the spirit. This is a description of a spirit-filled son of God. It says, at that very time, he, Jesus, rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. So he experienced emotions in the Spirit through the Spirit and with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, and I'll be the chief of sinners in this, sometimes we like to downplay emotions. We think that the goal is to be stoic or unaffected by this life. We think that the goal is to be moving through life, not deeply connected, so we can make it through without pain or suffering. And we pull ourselves out of the present. We think about the past. We think about the future where we're just not in the moment. That is not what we see the spirit-filled, spirit-empowered son of God doing. It says right here that in the moment, he was with those people when they returned. He was experiencing their joy, their excitement, hearing the news of what God had done. And his response was he greatly rejoiced in the spirit. It's not only there. We also see him weeping with his friends. At times, we see him weeping over Jerusalem when he can see what's going to happen to Jerusalem. We see Jesus enjoying the company of his disciples in Luke 22. 
He walks into the room and says, I have longed to be in this moment with you. He enjoys them. He's having an emotional response to being with the people he cares about. He prays in agony in Luke 22, in preparation for the cross. He says, he says, in the spirit, he's overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus experiences the highs and Jesus experiences the lows. He experiences both. So it's so easy for us to think that to be spiritual means I'm not impacted by the things around me. That's the opposite of being spirit-filled. To be spirit-filled, it means I'm fully present. I'm fully present in the moment. And if I'm fully present and you're fully present in the moment, that means I've opened myself up to joy and I've opened myself up to pain. Fully present means I'm looking the other person in the eye. And when they're telling me what's going on with them, it matters to me. I'm beginning to feel their feelings. It's called sympathy and empathy. Like Jesus had those things. To be a spirit-filled Christian means that we lean into those things. The goal isn't to be stoic or unaffected or to look at life from a distance. The goal is to lean in, to step in, and to be fully present in those moments, even when it's uncomfortable. You're gonna have agony. You're gonna have moments where you might be overwhelmed to the point of death. And there's gonna be times where you're gonna rejoice. And in each of those, it looks a lot like Jesus because he went through those things. So we don't go through life being unaffected. We allow ourselves to be deeply and profoundly involved and affected. And there'll be emotions in those moments. And those look a lot like Jesus. I'll say I'm the chief of sinners with that. Like I grew up in a home where I had a mother who I never saw cry. I thought emo emotions were goofy. Um, like we didn't I, didn't, I didn't even understand them. Like even, even now, um, I think I told my wife a couple of weeks ago, we were going through something hard. And I said, oh, my stomach hurts. And she goes, did you know that those are emotions? And I go, oh, like I didn't. So like, that's where I'm at. So I'm not, I'm not coming to you as someone who really gets how emotions work. I'm just telling you they're important. Like when I was in high school, I remember making fun of my brother when he was crying. Yeah, I'm that bad. I was making fun of my brother because like it showed weakness. In my family, we don't cry. So I'm gonna make you tougher. I'm gonna make fun of you until you stop crying. By the way, that doesn't work very well. But like, so I tried to make fun of him until he stopped crying. But it wasn't until I got to college, I started reading about the life of Jesus. And like the spirit convicted me to the bone about that. Like Jesus had emotions. He experienced them. And if I wanna be like Jesus, or I want my brother to be like Jesus, we're gonna have those emotions. So I wrote him a super long letter apologizing, saying, I did not represent Jesus to you. I am so sorry I treated you that way. Forgive me, Jesus loves you. Jesus experienced emotions. It's okay to cry. So like I had to go through a process and I'm still going through a process. But I don't want us to come out of this having a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit-filled life. He leads us into the moment. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's tear-filled, and sometimes it's joyful. And all those things are good and all those things matter. So we've seen the Holy Spirit prepare the way for Jesus. We've seen the Holy Spirit work in the life and ministry of Jesus. We also know that the Holy Spirit works in our life and in our ministry. He goes before us. He's always preparing for you the conversations you're going to have, the moments you're going to be in, the situations that you're going to walk into. The Spirit's already there preparing those for you. Being filled with the Spirit allows you to walk into those moments in faith, opening your mouth, 
putting out your arms, whatever it is you need to do to look a lot like Jesus. The spirit is full of God and he knows all things. So we can pray to him, we can trust him. He always does God's will and the spirit always follows God's word. Those things are never separate from one another. And he will always take us down the best path, but rarely will he take us down the easiest path. In the next month, the next six months, the next year, the next five years, you may find yourself emptied because of life's circumstances so that he can fill you up. You might find yourself stepping on a mine and get blown up so he can put you back together the way you're made to be. He sees things from the present and he sees things from the scope of eternity. He knows what's best for you, no matter how hard it is. He is more committed to your good and your growth than to your comfort. He is more committed to the glory of God than to your image or to your success or to your paycheck. So just know in those moments that he's got you, he loves you and there's purpose. So sometimes he leads you around the landmines and sometimes he leads you to the landmines. We ride the ups and we ride the downs of life and we live it in the present, relationally, fully, intentionally relying on the spirit. The spirit is not some mystical, distant being. He's our intimate companion. He knows us, he loves us, he walks through life with us. He's inseparable and he can be our intimate companion. So I think the big question is this, how do we live our lives filled with the Holy Spirit? How are we empowered and filled with the Spirit? I wanna answer that question, but I wanna change the way the question looks. I think another way of asking the same question is this, how would you invite someone or anyone to become your deep and intimate companion in life? Because that's what we're asking ourselves to do. That's what we're called to do. So what does that look like with the Spirit? Number one, invite Him along with everything you do. Are you going to the grocery store? Go with the Holy Spirit to the grocery store. My wife loves to take our goofy dog everywhere she goes, everywhere. They went paddleboarding yesterday for the first time. It didn't go well. He kept swimming to the shore, which makes it hard to paddleboard. But she takes the dog with him everywhere she goes. We invite the Holy Spirit along. If I want someone to be close to me, I go and spend time with them. I go on walks with them. I do things with them. I talk to them. So tell the Holy Spirit everything. Involve the Holy Spirit in everything that you're doing. While you're going through your life, thank him, appreciate him, learn to rely upon him. Just talk to him about everything, the big things and the little things. Don't ever try to push him away because you feel conviction. Lean into the conviction. Lean into the hard conversations with the Holy Spirit. He will lead you to God's word. He will lead you to relationships that matter. He will fill you and empower you because he loves you and he's called to do so. That's his role in our life. So learn to interconnect the Holy Spirit with every relationship in your life, with every decision in your life. Learn to interconnect the Holy Spirit with your desires and your concerns and your wants and your needs. Like interconnect him. So when you have an emotion, like for me, I have to say, Holy Spirit, what is that? What's going on inside of me? Can you connect for me? What's going on? I need his help. I need his insight. So do you. So we walk every day with the Holy Spirit. So our challenge this week is this. I'm gonna ask you to do this one simple thing every single day. When you wake up in the morning tomorrow, I would like you to start each day with the Holy Spirit. 
And that might look different for each of you, but it might be as simple as just saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Fill me today, work in me today, work through me today. Good morning, Holy Spirit, be with me today. Good morning, Holy Spirit, help me not be distracted today, but to lean into you today. Holy Spirit, here are the things on my heart and my mind this morning. I wanna start my day by talking to you. Start each morning with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you sit down at your table. Perhaps you just do that before you get out of your bed. Perhaps it's in the shower, but take moments to talk to the Holy Spirit, to ask him to fill you. Because if we wanna live like Jesus, we're gonna live our lives empowered and filled by the Spirit. Because that's how Jesus lived every single day of his life. The Spirit was his intimate forever companion. He should be our intimate daily, moment by moment companion. And it only happens by his power. So let's pray for his help. We come before you, Lord, and we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. Holy Spirit, may we be a people who invite you in intentionally. May we lean into you. May we start every day talking with you. May we not try to make decisions on our own. May we make decisions with you, in concert with you, talking to you, expressing our desires and our wants with you. And Holy Spirit, when you lead us into moments that are hard, I pray that we would trust you. You see all things, you know how things work out. Uh, so may we put our faith in you. Spirit, fill us even now in these moments to celebrate communion, this beautiful gift that you've given believers to remember Jesus in Christ's name, amen. For more information, visit us at biblecenterchurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.